Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. Thank you for inviting me to join with you today. I'm delighted to have the chance to speak with you from God's Word. And I really wished we'd been able to gather together in person, but I'm still excited to join you through this online version of church. I've only moved to Newcastle since December, but already I've heard about the Granary's love for Jesus and their heart to serve both their local and church partners through um, bringing justice to our world. Six months ago, if you'd asked me what I'd be doing today, I would not have thought that I would be filming a sermon to share with you because no churches in Australia can meet together physically. I would not have thought that my husband and I would have chosen to homeschool our children. I would not have thought that we would have had to have moved an entire organisation to work from home. Our world has changed greatly. But the main things have not changed. Our God's steadfastness and his love, our God's compassion for those in need, and our God's desire for justice. And so what does justice look like in a time of a crisis, in a time when it's so easy to put our own needs and the needs of our families ahead of others? I think justice looks like my table. This is my family's table. Up until December last year, my husband was a pastor of a church in Sydney. And one day we were digging around underneath the stage and there was all these trestle tables stacked up amidst the cobwebs and the spiders, and I was really hoping no mice and rats. We chose this table because it was the biggest. And yes, it is battered, but it's well-loved. And so when I look at this table, I don't see the scratches or the cracks and the random flecks of paint. I don't see how lopsided it is, and I don't really worry that it does look like it's going to fall over all the time. I see the meals we've eaten on it. I see the people who've joined us at this table. And I see the experiences, the life that we have shared with them. I've loved filling this table with mountains of food, but it has seen more than that. It has seen tears as well as joy. We've cast visions and talked strategies. It has witnessed failures and successes. This has been central to the life of our community and the life of our family. And that's why this table is such a powerful way to think about justice. It's because tables are meant to bring people together. The best meals are the ones you share with people, whether it's a picnic with your family in your backyard, whether it's a group of friends around a table and a glass of wine at night. Food brings people together. And that's what we find when we turn to scripture. The Bible is filled with meals and feasts because eating brings people together. And so this image of a table, a feast, generous hospitality, speaks of justice. And we find this in the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah uses the image of hospitality to hold out a promise of restored relationships. Let's read in Isaiah 25. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. Can you just imagine this table filled to overflowing with the finest meats and the best wines? It's an abundant, beautiful promise of divine hospitality 
It's an image of deep fellowship. And it works on so many levels. Firstly, the promise that one day our basic needs will be filled abundantly. There will be no more thirst, no more hunger. Sickness, sorrow will stop. But it's also a promise that God will satisfy our deeper needs. In the new creation, there will be no more isolation, no more exclusion, no more injustice. Because in Jesus Christ, everyone is invited to his table. The poor, the powerless will not be forgotten. See how Isaiah puts it? At this moment, the world is entangled in a shroud, in a blanket that covers us in darkness. We know this. We see this in our world. And Israel certainly knew it. But God has promised a day is coming when the shroud will be destroyed. He will swallow up death forever. We will eat at the table that God has prepared where creation is renewed, wrongs are righted, and justice is done. But to understand how this justice will be achieved, to understand what unites us in fellowship, we need to look at another meal, a meal that Jesus shared with his disciples on the evening before he died. All of the Gospels have an account of this meal because of its importance, but I'm going to read from Matthew 26. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The meal that Jesus and his disciples were celebrating was a Passover, the annual festival where Israelites celebrated the great saving work of God to take them out of Egypt. God had miraculously led them out of Egypt, through the night, through the Red Sea, into a new land, a land flowing with milk and honey. This meal is to celebrate God's justice for the Israelites. But now Jesus is taking this meal and instead of looking back towards the justice that God achieved for Israel, Jesus looks forward to a new justice that he will bring in the coming days. See, the Passover is a celebration of God's judgment passing over the Israelites onto the Egyptians, falling on their oppressors. But this meal is to be a celebration of God's judgment passing over us and falling onto Jesus. In Egypt, God punished the guilty so the innocent could go free. And this was justice. But in this new meal, we remember the innocent one was punished so the guilty could go free. And God will truly bring justice once for all. God invites us to his table and he lays out an abundant feast full to overflowing with love and the restored relationship. So do you see how this meal helps us understand God's goal for his creation? God's goal to unite all peoples and all nations and to bring justice to all. This is why a table is such a powerful way for us to speak about justice, because tables are meant to bring people together, especially the Lord's table. And so injustice, leaving people out, allowing some people to stay hungry, is unthinkable around the Lord's table. This is what the Apostle Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians. He writes to the town of Corinth, which was one of the big boom towns during the Roman Empire. It was full of glitz and glamour and new money. Everyone knew their place in the pecking order. Dog ate dog. 
In Corinth, might was right, and those with power and prestige lorded it over those without. They just believed this is the way society should be set up. It was a social hierarchy, but it was unjust. And the values that the city held began to infiltrate into the church. You can hear it in the words that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Let's read some of Corinthians 11. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. When you come together, it's not the Lord's supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? Paul's sarcasm, his frustration and anger just rise off the page. But why is he so angry? He keeps going and tells us what this meal was meant to achieve. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. This meal is meant to proclaim something wonderful. It proclaims God's love for us. It becomes Jesus' costly sacrifice, his laying aside of his power and his rights to lift up those with no power. And yet in Corinth, as they celebrate this meal, the rich eat first, the poor eat last. The rich get the best bits and are seated at the most important chairs at the table, while the poor and the powerless wait outside, hoping for the leftovers. Their meal reinforces the injustice of their city. It does not proclaim justice. Their meal reinforces divisions. It does not bring unity. As if the injustices of the world could not be overthrown by God. But what does Paul say? When we eat and drink, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Jesus is coming back. He didn't die in order for injustice to reign. When he comes back, he will bring justice for all because Jesus' heart beats for justice. He will overthrow the world's power structures because everyone is invited to his table. In Greek, there is a word that describes this kind of relationship and it's sometimes translated into English as fellowship because it speaks of unity, partnership, sharing and participation, a profound bond that is based not on who is powerful or who is popular, but it's based on grace and generosity, which God has shown to all of us. And so this fellowship overturns the world's power structures. It seeks to bring justice through hospitality by offering people a place at the table. A couple of years ago, I read a wonderful book about this kind of subversive power of hospitality. It's by a lady called Christine Pohl. And I wanted to share you a fairly long quote, but one that I think sums up this nature of hospitality as being subversive. A community which embodies hospitality to strangers is a sign of contradiction, a place where joy and pain, crises and peace are closely interwoven. Friendships forged in hospitality contradict contemporary messages about who is valuable and good to be with, who can give life to others. Such communities are also signs of hope that love is possible, that the world is not condemned to struggle between oppressors and oppressed, that class and racial warfare is not inevitable. The gift of hope embedded in these communities of hospitality nourishes, challenges and transforms guests, hosts and sometimes a larger community. Do you see the point? Hospitality overturns injustice by inviting everyone to the table. Back in October 2018, I got to participate in a meal like this. Um, I was on my first trip 
with compassion. I wasn't a staff member there. Actually, um, if I'd thought back ahead for two years, I would not have believed I would be in this role. Um, I was on, um, in the Philippines with my church and my family, and we were heading to a tiny little town called Arega in the um, municipality of Legazpi. We had to drive about two and a half hours through windy roads, and as we drove, the volcano overshadowed us. And this volcano was active. You could see smoke coming off and it had, been, it had erupted six months before. We were the first Compassion sponsors to ever visit this project. And so they were so excited to welcome us. They danced and sang. They showed us around their table. They shared their fears, their dreams, their hopes. And they invited us to a meal. By the world's standards, there was nothing they could offer us. They were so extremely poor. Their buildings were dilapidated. Their families were lucky to be able to eat each day. There was a glaring power imbalance between us and them. But they invited us to share a traditional Filipino meal called a boodle fight. What they do is they set up a long table and they put all the food in the, uh, along the centre. Rice, chicken, pork, vegetables, fruits. It looks amazing. It's a, just an extravaganza. And they have a way of eating so that your fingers don't touch your mouth, but you use your hands to eat. And so they showed us how to do that, how to eat without your fingers touching your mouth. Basically, though, none of us could do this. And so we're just ending up throwing food into our mouths and it ending all up on the tables and on the floor. So there's a lot of laughter at us, but also a lot of um, conversation and shared hopes and dreams. And as we gathered around this table, this hospitality turned our worlds upside down. The poorest of the poor shared out of their abundance, while we, so powerful and wealthy, were humbled and blessed. Their faith and hope in God showed my own spiritual poverty and need. And our shared faith in the Lord Jesus meant we gathered not as rich and poor or strong and weak, but as brothers and sisters. We found fellowship because the rich generosity of their table gave us a glimpse of that table that God has prepared for us. Do you see the point? Hospitality overturns injustice by bringing people into fellowship. And so if this image of a table helps us understand God's goal for creation, then it also gives us a way to think about what it means for us to seek justice at this time, because it reminds us that true justice requires restored relationship. And so this image of a table helps us think about how we can pursue justice in our local communities. And this is difficult to do at the moment, because you may have noticed that all our physical tables are closed. There's barriers around them at parks, cafes are closed, and we can't even invite people into our own dining rooms. So at a time when we can't physically meet together, how can we creatively show hospitality to our neighbours in our street? How can I help my next door neighbour not feel so isolated? It is much harder to do in this time. But I checked out your website this week and I love your Share the Love campaign. This, this statement really resonated with me. We simply now need to find new and creative ways to show we care, new and creative ways to extend our tables and to offer fellowship. There was such a wonderful list of suggestions from kindness to supermarket assistance, to checking in to those who are lonely and isolated, to the offering of online resources. It was fantastic. And this image of the table also gives us a way to approach justice across the world. 
because this pandemic has reminded us that we are far more connected to people around the globe than we ever realised. We often wake up each morning and check the impact of COVID around the world. I connect with my friends in London like I do with the person living next door. Our daily lives have changed and so has our globe. And so we need to think of ways to extend our table to those around the world because many around the world who live in extreme poverty, this virus is just one more threat in a lifetime of threats, one more shroud that hangs over their daily lives, leaving them impoverished, powerless and isolated. How does a family which is already malnourished survive the coronavirus? How does a slum community where families of 10 are crammed into tin shacks stand up against each other's social distance? It can seem impossible to know what justice looks like for these people in these situations. And yet I want to finish by encouraging you because God has invited us to his table and he promises to provide. His hospitality always meets our greatest needs. And as we trust in him to provide for our needs, we can be generous. We can share our table with others in need. And that's what I see happening through our partnership with you at The Granary. At this moment, Compassion can't run our normal programs in our project centres around the world because of the need for social distancing. But your partnership is enabling us to reach the children in ways they need most. Many projects are helping children learn about hand washing and hygiene. Even though the children can't come to the project, staff members are visiting in their homes to make sure the children are safe. And they are providing needs that can't be met at the moment by their families. We're finding that social distancing, which is the solution for us, actually is causing more problems. But local churches around the world are finding ways to help the families through this time. So thank you for the ways that you're extending your table to bring justice to those in extreme poverty. This is not an easy time for you or for those around the world. Many of our daily activities have been stopped, but some things haven't stopped. Our God's steadfastness and his love. Our God's compassion for those in need. Our God's desire for justice. He has empowered and called his church to invite the world to his table and to overturn injustice throughout the nations. 